Hello, this is Gary Hutchins with the Sunny Slope Church of Christ here in Omaha, Nebraska. Welcome to our Wednesday night Bible class. It is good to be back with our listeners again today, and we're thankful to have the opportunity and the ability and the means to be able to teach God's Word on such a widespread basis through the medium of the internet and by means of these podcasts. This Wednesday night Bible class, we're recording for those who cannot be with us in person at, at the Sunny Slope Church of Christ here in Omaha, but also for those who are listening in other parts of the country and literally around the world. Even in Omaha, we know there are some people who cannot be with us at the time that this that we actually meet together as the congregation for midweek Bible classes each Wednesday evening at 6.30, but they want to be in God's Word. And there are people in other parts of the country. They want to be taught. They want to study. They want to hear God's Word being proclaimed, being taught and in, in a way that is easy to understand and that makes sense for their daily lives. Well, we're thankful to have this ability to do this by means, <clears throat> again, <clears throat> of these podcasts over the internet. So we're thankful that you're there. Now, if you're in the Omaha area, we encourage you to come and be with us in person at the Sunny Slope Church of Christ. We're located at 3606 North 108th Street, right here in Omaha, 3606 North 108th Street. We meet together for Sunday morning Bible classes at 9.30 each Sunday morning, followed by worship at 10.30. Sunday evening at 6 o'clock, we come back together for another period of worship and Bible study. Wednesday evenings, 6.30, 6.30, we come back together for midweek Bible classes. Now, you're welcome to any and all of these of these services, and we hope that you'll come and check us out and study with us in person and worship God with us in person and grow spiritually with us. We encourage you to do that. We also encourage you to go to our website, churchofchrist.com, churchofchrist.com, and make sure that you're signed up for our podcasting. Just click in the podcast button. It's free. It always will be free, and you will automatically receive a whole lot of Bible study materials every day, seven days a week. So, Take advantage of that and tell your friends to do so as well and share these studies with everybody you can through Facebook friends, text messages, and other technological means. You may help somebody get into God's word. You may help somebody grow spiritually. You may help somebody get to heaven. What a great blessing for them and for you. So make that commitment and start sharing today. We're going to get back into our study of John, God, the, the gospel account according to John. And John, of course, the apostle is the penman. This is God's very word. Peter tells us that holy men of God were moved to speak by the Holy Spirit, that they were guided by the Holy Spirit to speak what God wanted them to, to, to write down. So when we're reading Scripture, we're reading God's very word. Again, the apostle Paul said in 2 Timothy 3 and verse 16, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. And the literal meaning there in the Greek is it is God's very word. It is God-breathed. Well, so John is giving an account here. Now, but also, he is giving an eyewitness account to a great extent in this gospel account. These these chapters that are that are identified as the gospel according to John. Now, he was not there with Jesus in 
this setting of the first chapter, but he is being guided by God through the Holy Spirit to write this. But then not very long after the first chapter, John is going to be there with Jesus. He's, he is one of the apostles chosen by Jesus to be divinely appointed, and he's going to be with Jesus through his public ministry. Now, we pick up with verse 35, and we read here again the next day, John stood with two of his disciples, and looking at Jesus as he walked, he said, Behold the Lamb of God. Behold the Lamb of God. Now, we made the point, we took some time to emphasize John, this John that is being referred to in verse 35, John stood with his two or with two of his disciples, is the same John going back to verse. 29, John saw Jesus coming. Verse 35, John bore witness saying, I saw the spirit descending from heaven like a dove and he he remained upon him. This is the same John going back to going back to verse 19. This is the testimony of John when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, who are you? He confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I'm not the Christ. Well, uh, this John is not John the Apostle, who was the penman of this book, this gospel account of Jesus's ministry upon this earth. This John was the cousin of Jesus. Now, he's also often referred to in, in the scriptures as John the Baptist uh, by, by many people. That is actually a, an unfortunate mistranslation of the Greek more closely, more more exactly rendered, it should be John the Immerser. But the point that I'm trying to make here is that we've emphasized over the last time or, or two together in this study is there, there are a lot of people who believe that John established the church upon this earth. John did not establish any church. John the cousin of Jesus, nor John the apostle, John, the cousin of Jesus, often referred to you know, as John the Baptist or John the Immerser would be more correct understanding, he did not establish any church upon this earth. He, is not the, he was not the father of any church upon this earth. He was the cousin of Jesus. He was sent to prepare the way for Jesus to then begin his public ministry he was teaching about the coming Savior. And then in these various verses, again, going back to verses 19 and 20, he said, I'm, I, I'm not. I'm not the Christ. And verse 29, the, he said, behold, the Lamb of God, when he saw Jesus. And he went on to say, uh, this is the one of whom I said, after he comes a man who is preferred before me, for he was before me. And so he says, this is the one I've been preparing the way for. John stepped back. Jesus took center stage. And so here in verse 35, the next day, John stood with two of his disciples and looking at Jesus as he walked, he said, behold, the Lamb of God. Now, what happens with those two disciples? In verse 37, the two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. They followed Jesus. You see, John, again, was not the Savior. He was not the Messiah 
prophesied in Old Testament scripture. He was not that prophet that Moses had said way back in Deuteronomy that there was another, God was going to send another prophet like unto him. John was not any of those. John was a man who believed in God. Biologically, he was a cousin of Jesus. But John simply prepared the way. He was kind of setting the stage or tilling the soil, so to speak, from an agricultural perspective, helping the people start to look for the coming Savior. And then when Jesus did come on the scene in his public ministry, John said, that's the Lamb of God. That's the one I've been telling people about. And two of his disciples, after they heard him speak, they followed Jesus. John stepped back. Jesus took center stage, as was God's plan. In verse 38, then Jesus turned and seeing them, that is those two disciples who had been walking with John, and now they're coming to Jesus. He said to them, what do you seek? They said to him, Rabbi, which is to say when translated, teacher, where are you staying? He said, come and see. They came and saw where he was staying and remained with him that day. Now, it was about the 10th hour. One, one of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. Okay, now we're starting to see where Jesus is gathering what would be the 12 apostles to him. And so one of those disciples of John was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. Well, now he's come to follow Jesus. He first found his own brother, Simon, that is Peter, and said to him, we have found the Messiah, which is translated the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Now, when Jesus looked at him, he said, you are Simon, the son of Jonah. You shall be called Cephas, which is translated a stone. Now, so here are two of those men who would become divinely appointed apostles of Jesus Christ, two who would become part of the 12 apostles. And so Andrew first, he had been following John, the cousin of Jesus, the immerser, and now he is following Jesus. He would be appointed as an apostle. He brings his brother Peter, and he begins walking with Jesus. He'll be appointed as an apostle. In verse 43, the following day, Jesus wanted, uh, Jesus wanted to go to Galilee, and he found Philip and said to him, follow me. Now, Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said to him, <laughs> rather disdainful, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said to him, behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, how do you know me? Jesus answered and said to him, before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered and said to him, rabbi, 
you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Uh, Nathaniel recognized that Jesus was fulfilling the Old Testament prophecies of the coming Messiah, the spiritual king of Israel. Jesus answered and said to him, because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, most assuredly, I say to you, hereafter, you shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. Well, so here are now four of those men of the 12 who would become divinely appointed apostles of Jesus and walk with him in a close and personal way, receiving teaching from him, also assisting him, and also doing teaching of their own, and also being there for support with him and learning from him as they learned the gospel message that he brought from heaven to mankind as the Savior. They would become, these, these four would become the first of the 12, the 12 apostles. And then other than Judas, who would betray Jesus, and ultimately as a result, Judas hanged himself. And these original 12, and then you add one more, Matthias, who took G Judas's place, going back to, or going, moving forward to Acts chapter 1, these would become the 12 whom Jesus would send into all of the known world at that time to teach his gospel to everybody. And you look at that great commission being issued by Jesus to the 12 apostles in Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20. There, Matthew recorded that great commission, instruction by Jesus to the apostles, Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age of the world. Amen. Mark 16, verses 15 and 16, go into all the world, preach the gospel to all creation. He who believes and is baptized shall be saved. He who does not believe shall be condemned. Luke 24, 47, that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And then in Acts chapter 1, Acts chapter 1, and verse 8, we also read, let me turn over there quickly, Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Again, Luke is the penman in, in the book of Acts. And so, Uh, beginning with verse 7, it is not for you to know times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you shall be witnesses of me or to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. So we see that great commission instruction from Jesus to the apostles to go teach the gospel message of forgiveness and salvation through him that he brought from the throne room in heaven, from God the Father, to all of mankind, he tells them, go and teach this message I have brought, this message that I have taught you, and this message that you have been hearing me teach to multitudes of, of the Jews whom I came to 
bring this message to, first, you are to take it not just to the Jews, but to all people everywhere all over the world. Four times it is recorded in New Testament scriptures. Again, Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20, Mark 16, verses 15 and 16, Luke 24, verse 47, and Acts chapter 1, verses 7 and 8. That is still, as the church, our commission, our instruction today. That is behind what we do here in these podcasts. We're teaching God's Word. We're teaching everybody who listens, and the Internet extends over a great part of the world. It's not in every single corner yet, but it keeps being extended. But there are people, basically, if we want to think of it, all over the world who can tune into the, these studies through the Internet and listen to these podcast Bible studies. And we do this because of that same Great Commission instruction that Jesus gave first to the apostles, but through them to all who had become his true followers, all who had become true Christians. And that's why we do this. this. That's why we're teaching God's word. And so here are the first four, the first four of those apostles who would later become the teachers who would spread out from Jerusalem and Judea, and then begin carrying this gospel message all over the known world in that day. Well, we come to John chapter 2. So we've seen the stage set. The first few verses of John chapter 1 introduce us to Jesus as God the Son, eternal, as eternal in nature as God the Father and God the Holy Spirit. And that salvation and eternal life comes through him. And through him, we can become children of God. And then we see John, his cousin, not John the Apostle, but John the Immerser, his biological cousin, identify Jesus as the one that he has been talking about was coming after him. And John t- steps back from center stage and Jesus steps forward, and now he is the focus of the teaching. John chapter 2, beginning with verse 1. On the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee. Now again, remember, four of those who had become definitely and specifically appointed as among the 12 apostles of Jesus Christ during his ministry, they have already come to him. Peter, Andrew, Peter, Andrew, and uh, Philip and Nathaniel. Now, we come to the scene of Jesus's first recorded miracle, John chapter 2. On the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Now, both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. So there were followers, and we know there were at least four followers already, but there may have been others as well that are not listed in the scripture account. Now, not all of the followers of Jesus became divinely appointed apostles. Those were 12, but there were multitudes that followed him, believed in him. 
Verse 3, when they ran out of wine, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. Jesus said to her, woman, what does your concern have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, whatever he says to you, do it. Now, by this time, Mary, the biological mother of Jesus, recognized that Jesus was and still is the Savior. He is divine. And so he has supernatural powers. He had supernatural powers while he was on this earth. And so she's displaying great confidence in him and great faith in him as the, the Messiah, the Savior, the God, the Son. And he, she t- simply tells the servants, whatever he says to you, do it. Now, there were set there six water pots of stone, according to the manner of purification of the Jews, containing 20 or 30 gallons apiece. Jesus said to them, fill the water pots with water. And they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, draw some out now and take it to the master of the feast. In other words, the one who was in charge. And they took it. When the master of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine and did not know where it came from, but the servants who had drawn the water knew, the master of the feast called the bridegroom. And he said to him, every man at the beginning sets out the good wine, and when the guests have well drunk, then the inferior. You have kept the good wine until now. This beginning of signs Jesus did in Cana of Galilee and manifested his glory, and his disciples believed in him. Hmm, interesting. After this, he went out to Canaan, uh, to Capernaum, he, his mother, his brothers, and his disciples, and they did not stay there many days. Well, Jesus is beginning his public ministry. First, with the announcement of his cousin, by his cousin John, this is the Lamb of God. This is the one I've been telling people about who is coming after me. This is the one I've been teaching would be coming as the Messiah, as the Savior, prophesied in numerous Old Testament scriptures. Now, Jesus, as I said, he has stepped forward and taken center stage, and he is now going about his public ministry. Verse 13, now the Passover of the Jews was at hand, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem And he found in the temple those who sold oxen and sheep and doves and the money changers doing business. When he had made a whip of cords, he drove them all out of the temple with the sheep and the oxen and poured out out the changers' money and overturned the tables. And he said to those who sold doves, take these things away. Do not make my father's house a house of merchandise. In other words, they were you might even think about it in a way as desecrating part of the temple grounds by selling animals that the supposed worshipers could come and buy and use as and, and use as uh, uh, in a worshipful way as uh, uh, offerings to God as sacrifices. Jesus said, you know, you should not be here doing this. This is not the appropriate place. And perhaps even what they were doing, maybe in general, might have been inappropriate. But that's just a possibility. But they were not to be there where they were setting up these tables and setting up these places of business. Then his disciples remembered and said that it was written, zeal for your house has eaten me up. 
And that's a prophecy from Psalm 69 and verse 9. You see, Jesus fulfilled all of those Old Testament prophecies in exact detail. And there were just an incredible number of them. And this is just one that might slip a lot of people's attention. But even this one is brought out in the scriptures. Psalm 69, verse 9, the disciples, his disciples remembered that it was written, zeal for your house has eaten me up. We need to be careful how we present ourselves as the Lord's church. We're not in it as a business. Now, we have to do business because that is the state of operating effectively in our in our country. We have to buy supplies and so on and pay rent for, or perhaps purchase a building to worship in. But, but we're not a business. We're not a social club. We're the church. We need to respect our spiritual identity. And that's what Jesus was trying to guard against here when he drove those money changers out of the temple grounds. So the Jews answered and said to him, what sign do you show to us since you do these things? Jesus answered and said to them, destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. Then the Jews said, it has taken 46 years to build this temple, and you will raise it up in three days? But he was speaking of the temple of his body. 1 Corinthians 3 and verse 16 and chapter 6 and verse 19, we see similar uh, identifications. Now, think about what what he just said here. He's in the early days of his public ministry. He already knows he's going to the cross. He knew that before he left heaven and was born into physical form as a man, as, 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 a, as a human being, a boy, a little baby. He knew that all the time as he was growing up physically. He knows that now. He's going to go to the cross. And so he's already prophesying, you can destroy my body. You can, hang, you can hang, have me hung in the cross. You can have me executed, but within three days I'll arise from the grave. I'll arise living. In verse 22, therefore, when he had risen from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this to them, and they believed the scripture and the word which Jesus had said. So it resonated with his disciples. They remembered what he said. On this occasion, early on, they realized he was already prophesying that he would arise from the grave within three days. In verse 23, as we close the last three verses in chapter 2, when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover, during the feast, many believed in his name when they saw the signs which he did. But Jesus did not commit himself to them because he knew all men and had no need that anyone should testify of man, for he knew what was in man. And how did he know? How could he read the hearts of the people, some of whom might have been kind of at a surface level, declaring that they were following him, but maybe not really deeply dedicated? How could Jesus know what men were thinking and what they were speaking to one another in a crowd, as we would see in other texts of Scripture, when they might be out of his earshot. Because Jesus is God the Son, and he knows all things. He understands our hearts. He understands what we're thinking. 
before we ever put it into words. Well, we're going to stop here. We'll pick up with chapter three next time. Let's pray. Father in heaven, Father in heaven, thank you for giving us your word to help us understand more fully your whole plan for us as humanity. Thank you for loving us so much that you sent your son to die on that cross so that we could have the opportunity to be forgiven of our sins, redeemed, reconciled before you, and be, have the promise of eternal life. Thank you. Thank you, Father, for sending your Son in such powerful way, but also in such love. And thank you for laying out in the Scriptures for us so that we can understand your plan for us through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord and Savior. Please forgive us, gracious Father, and we pray in his name, the name of Jesus, amen.